This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Lunchtime edition here at WABC featuring yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. It's a rip and read, 45 minutes. Uh, you get some commentary, no call. Save it for the weekends when it's all broadcasting, Curtis, all the time. I don't do guests. I just call uh, and talk to all of you as you call me, and then we get it on. But boy, Hurricane Ian lived up to its expectations as it smashed into the west coast of Florida. As you know, yesterday, 24 hours ago, I gave you updates from Guardian Angels that I have in Fort Myers and up there in St. Petersburg and in Tampa. And let me just say that as the hurricane left in its wake, devastation all along the west coast of Florida, it is now regaining hurricane strength. As you cut through the land, and it's going to be smashing through South Carolina. Yes, Lou, it may even end up, well, we may end up getting the tail of it towards the weekend. Something of the end, if nothing more than lots of rain, as it powers its way up the East Coast. Now, that means we're going to have a perfect opportunity to see at Orchard Beach, where they are constructing that massive tent. To house 1,000 single, able bodied Venezuelans. This is what Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, has intentions for all of us. And many of the locals have said, you don't understand, a small spritz and there's a flood in the parking lots of Orchard Beach. You're absolutely right. And uh, the Eric Adams administration is insisting, no, 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 the way we're building this tent, uh, it'll be able to drain out any and all excess water whether it happens to be from rain, snow, sleet, hail, regardless. And the over-under point spread is it's not going to be able to survive a heavy rain. No, 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 no. We're not talking about the tent. That's in the midst of being constructed now. They expect it to be finished in two weeks. We're talking about underneath the tent, the drainage, the flow. We're going to get a real good test of that probably Saturday, maybe into Sunday as we expect to get heavy, heavy rains in the tail end of this devastating, what at one moment was a five, five-star hurricane. Level five, went down to level four, then three, then two, then one, then back to a tropical storm, and now it's sort of pumping up. It's had some of its testosterone restored as it's out to sea, and it's whipping in all different directions. One thing I can tell you, Lou, 
is that they're loving illegal aliens all throughout the west coast of Florida. The further you are towards the coast, obviously, the more devastation along the Gulf of Mexico. And there is so much gook and so much mire and so much destruction and so much flooding. And what will eventually lead to uh, all kinds of problems internally within the buildings. That it's, you're going to be hard-pressed to find uh, born in America, that's right, all Americans who are going to want to go in there and do the work. And even if they do, they'll charge an outrageous price. They'll want to have an oxygen tank, a hazmat suit, all kinds of protective PPP gear, or they won't even approach the job. Already, I've been told this morning, by the guardian angels in Fort Myers, you have illegal aliens who would normally be shaping up for day labor, shaping up to be taken away by vans and pickup trucks to go into the gunk and the mire and the flotsam and the jetsam and to deal with all the problems that typically take place after a tropical storm, a storm, or in this case, a major, major walloping hurricane. The kind of work that Americans will not do under almost any circumstance unless you pay them so much money. It's a temptation. Well, I know my three sons, Anthony, 18, and Carter, 13, and Hunter, uh, 10, would never in their lives ever consider doing that kind of menial labor, back-breaking labor, life-risking labor. So I know I've seen this before in Florida. Whatever these major storms come barreling through, and they do so much extensive damage to the land, to the outskirts, to the roadways, to the telephone poles, to the electrical wires, you can bet that the one group of people will be more than happy to do the labor for pay, a long day's work for a good day's pay are the illegal aliens who are already sizing up to be picked up and to be trucked into the most devastating uh, areas. That gives you an update on that also when it comes to looting, which is always part and parcel of hurricanes, tropical storms, and storms in Florida. And as it works its way up to South Carolina, you're going to see the same thing happening there. That as you approach buildings, you see plywood. You wonder where did Home Depot get enough plywood because most of it comes from Red China? Well, it's there. And they put up plywood on their windows, places of business, places where they reside. They're domiciles. And in many instances, they paint on the outside. If you loot, we shoot. Come in, and I'll fill you full of lead. Don't you dare. Now, this is in a law and order state of Florida. But the sheriff's departments, remember, sheriffs in the state of Florida are all elected. They're answerable directly to the people, not to politicians. And the sheriffs are always telling people under normal circumstances when the temperatures are fine and the quality of life is good and you're not worrying about hurricanes and not having flood insurance or property uh, uh, insurance, that under normal circumstances, the sheriffs want you to get a gun. They'll train you how to use a gun. And if any home invaders come into your property, they're encouraging you to shoot them between the eyes. And don't worry about it. They'll give you a Congressional Medal of Honor, whereas up north of the Mason-Dixon line in the northern states, the blue states, is a very real uh, situation that as you stand and you fight for what you know is right, that you could be incarcerated like a Jose Alba who defended himself in the bodega in Washington Heights and spent five days in Rikers Island with a 250000 bail over his head until the general public said enough is enough. 
and the public pressure force. The DA, Alvin Bragg, who loves the criminals in Manhattan to cut them loose. And guess where, uh, guess where, uh, Jose Alva is, Lou? He's back in the DR. Yeah, he suffered some damage to his home in the DR with Hurricane Fiona as it came barreling through uh, first Puerto Rico and then the DR. But he says he is more secure in the DR. He is safer in the DR than he would be if he was living back in the Harlem, Washington Heights, Inwood section. That is a double disgraziata, a double shanda. Well, let's look at some other situations involving the storm. Oh, wow. You saw that face-off between Don Lemon at CNN with one of the national weather uh, relation uh, advisors about whether this is the result of global warming and climate change. What effect does climate change have on this phenomenon that, that is happening now? Because it seems these storms are intensifying. That's the question. I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. Okay. On the whole, on the cumulative, uh, climate change uh, may be making storms worse, uh, but uh, to link it to any one event, um, I, I would caution against that. Well, I separate from the pack here at WABC, Lou. Uh, I uh, directly attach it to climate change, global warming. The Gulf of Mexico has warmed up incredibly, and that has caused supersized winds to be spinning around like a top. And we're going to have more and more of this. We're sitting on, uh, what were billions of dollars in the aftermath of Superstorm Sandy in 2012. Still haven't been used to erect a seawall in Staten Island. The seawall downtown in the Battery area along the Upper East Side, the Upper West Side. And we haven't put laid one brick yet. I mean, that's 10 years later. What are we waiting for? We're going to get hit with a biggie, another superstorm. We may even get hit with a hurricane. And we haven't even spent any of that money. And now they're talking about they want a, an additional $142 billion to fortify our shorelines for the next big one that comes through. We haven't even spent the money that was put aside after Superstorm Sandy by FEMA. But it is so typical of New York City, which is uh, out of sight, out of mind. But let's look at what also happened. I couldn't believe this, Lou. Down there in the midst of the reporting, because it is a day where reporters make their bones. Originally, it was how Dan Rather established his reputation. A hurricane that hit Galveston, and then years later, Geraldo, as he was tethered to the seawall. Well, yesterday, there was a female reporter for NBC2 who stole my idea, and now it's gone viral all over the world. A lot of people are asking... It is what you think it is. It's a condom. It helps protect the gear. We can't get these mics wet. There's a lot of wind. There's a lot of rain. So we got to do what we got to do. And that is put a condom on the microphone. You saw that everywhere, right, Lou? All over the news. It went viral. You even saw it in Russia. You saw it in Red China. She put a freaking condom on the microphone. And yet, just a week before... I put a condom here on the microphones in the studios at WABC because Greg Kelly was uh, very insecure, thinking that maybe I or Sid Rosenberg were responsible for biological weaponized bacteria that had infected our microphones. Uh, the entire Greg Kelly crew is in here. Because I have taken one of these Trojan Magnum original lubricated 
Trojans, prophylactics, condoms, jimmy caps. In fact, let me take one more just to make sure that we have provided for for safe talk and potentially safe sex. Let me just adjust it on the microphone here. We've got to make sure that all of our colleagues here, especially Greg Kelly, are able to have safe talk. And eventually, man, where's the banana? I never really got this straight in sex ed class, putting this condom on the... Oh, I think I got it. I think I got it. Man, if I had this much trouble in my wild and frisky younger days, there'd be a lot of more young sleevers I'd be paying child support for, that's for sure. Lou, I did exactly this one week ago. You were a witness to this. You were a witness, Kevin Troach. We got no attention. We got Ugats. We got Bupkis. Nothing. Oh, Curtis Lee, he's just pulling a radio stunt. This young lady does it as a reporter for NBC2 in the midst of the Hurricane Ian as it's smashing ashore outside of Fort Myers. And she gets global coverage. How can this be? And I get no credit. She pimped off all right. Meantime, I was very concerned, not just about people and animals of all types, uh, many, many animals, unfortunately, who uh, saw a tragic drowning death as a result of the flooding waters that Hurricane Ian created. There was one I was very concerned about. You may have remembered Bubbles, best friend of that pedophile on a pedestal, Michael Jackson. Remember, he was constantly with him at the Neverland Ranch, in California and toured with Michael Jackson, often wearing a matching outfit and even joining him for interviews and a drink of tea with the mayor of Osaka, Japan. But we were told that Bubbles had been sent to a sanctuary in Florida when he reached 185 pounds and became too large and aggressive to be kept as a pet. He was sent in 2005 to the Florida sanctuary where his care is still paid for by the Jackson estate. Sort of like reminds me of Leona Helmsley. Remember who said, oh, only little people pay taxes. And then she went to jail for not paying taxes. But remember how she bequeathed all of her money to a little fluffy yarn dog, uh, uh, yarn ball dog, remember, uh, who would be taken back and forth to her estate in Connecticut? Likewise, apparently, Bubbles has been taken care in perpetuity. To the estate of that that pedophile on a pedestal, Michael Jackson, I am here to report, Lou, that Bubbles survived Hurricane Ian to come back. Take a licking, but he came back taking. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Don't call it a comeback. You know, Lou, you're coming off the number seven train right at Willits Point. No, no, you don't go in the direction of City Field. Go in the direction of the Unisphere in Flushing Meadow Park. And you see a big statue with a boombox in honor of LL Cool J. Although I believe he is originally from Long Island Bayshore. Not really a Queens boy, but somehow we have uh, co-opted him to make him a Queens guy. 
but there's a big statue right there. And you've noticed in this mama going to knock you out. I don't think that Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, is going to have Matilda, his uh, very old mother, ready to knock you out. But he's saying, don't call this a comeback after uh, a year and a few months. Andrew Evilized Cuomo has stated that he's back at it. Like a vampire, he won't go away. Like Comrade Bill de Blasio. The part-time mayor of the dope from Park Slope, who eight years single-handedly with a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball destroyed this city that we uh, love. Uh, he continued to uh, dwell around. He got a fellowship to Harvard to ruin a brand-new class of poli students in Harvard. But he keeps coming back to New York City. Out of here. Out of here. You're like a vampire, too. The two geldings, the Italian supreme cuisines who used to love one another, de Blasio and Cuomo, because de Blasio worked for Cuomo when he was the secretary of housing and urban development in the Clinton administration. And then they went in separate directions. But one thing they have in common is that people hate de Blasio and people hate Cuomo, but Cuomo is like the vampire who won't go away. Listen to what he had to say yesterday about, no doubt, what I call LL Cool J, his comeback. Give me a new perspective on politics, on people and life. I have seen it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You've seen it all, the good, the bad, the ugly, and you're responsible for a lot of ugly, Cuomo. How many times you sent your leg breaker, your wartime consigliere, Joe Pococo, who just finished doing a six-year bid in federal jail for political corruption on your part and is now hunkered down on the mattresses during the marinara sauce with you, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, and your brother, Chris Fredo Cuomo, at his compound, the Cuomo compound in Southampton. So how many times did Joe Pococo, at your behest, pull out the Louisville, Rocky Calavito, slugging uh, Hillary and Bradsby baseball bats and rearrange people's kneecaps who were giving you political beef and who claimed, I don't want to bust your teeth, Andrew, I just want to disagree, and you sent Joe Pococo to straighten them out. Ah! But then again, you said it's a different Cuomo that we're going to see now. I have fought the good fight in government and politics all my life. And I am not done fighting yet. Oh, he's not done fighting yet. Oh, welcome, welcome to the world of podcasts. In an age where everybody has a podcast. Oh, yeah. My plumber has a podcast. He says, Curtis, you want to listen to my podcast? Oof, uh, you think I have time to listen to podcasts? My dentist, oh, Curtis, can you listen to my podcast? Oof, uh, do you think I have time to listen to a podcast? And then if you notice, Fredo, his brother Chris Cuomo, pretty boy, he's got a podcast. And now, yes, of course, everyone in the world one day will have a podcast. Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, said he's going to be doing a weekly podcast. I hope we will not be carrying it here at WABC. Anyway, uh, Cuomo claimed that the format of his show is going to be different. He says he wants to have the conversation with you, but without making clear how that would work, since it's a pre-recorded format, Lou. This guy's not a radio guy like his father, Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo. When Mario was riding high as the governor who, uh, who had been defeated by George Pataki, 
Uh, hopefully it's the same path that Congressman Lee Zeldin will follow in beating uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. We pretty much got a month to go. Uh, a little more till November 8th. You got to come out for Zeldin Esposito to beat Holcomb and uh, Delgado, who you never see, who's lost somewhere in the mid-Hudson Valley, doesn't know if he's a Latino or black, and couldn't find his way around the city even if he had GPS. But let's put that aside. You may not be aware, Lou, but Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo was given a Saturday afternoon radio show on the WABC National Network. He had about 120 stations to start. They thought he was going to be the Mashiach of talk radio. Oh, Mario, everybody can do talk radio. Not. I think he had about six shows. He would always be like Hamlin on the Hudson. He would give an opinion, and then he would be a contrarian to that opinion, pretty much the way they train you in law school to argue one side and then also equally argue the other side. He would take one call, Lou, and it would take him 20 minutes to give an answer as he would vacillate, spin, dip, dive like all politicians do. That's why they suck as talk show host. Six weeks, the Mario Cuomo radio talk show on the ABC Network's crashed and burned it was horrible but then again everybody does a podcast nowadays right <laughs> no 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 i'm old school baby appointment radio right here you're listening on your terrestrial radio your old school radio or you're listening to your radio in your car your van your pickup truck your 18 wheel tractor trailer or you're listening to it on the app crystal clear in kabul in afghanistan if you're the last american uh, remaining behind or in uh, Baghdad and Iraq, crystal clear, or on your laptop or your worktop computer. So many different ways to listen to what I call real radio, appointment radio at WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation. Meantime, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, who completely has abandoned his law and order platform, completely, without a doubt. He's no longer even addressing the crime problem. If it doesn't have to do with illegal aliens invading our city each and every day, another four buses arrived at the Port Authority today, mostly Venezuelans. He's constructing the tent out there in Orchard Beach, the parking lot. We'll give you more details as we go into the weekend. But, Lou, there were two quadruple shootings in New York City only hours apart yesterday. Two quadruple shootings. 615 in Ozone Park, Queens. 1145 in Harlem. It's like the OK Corral now. And where's the police commissioner? Hey! Calling all cars. Car 54, where are you? Have you seen the missing in action? Police Commissioner Sewell. Nobody spotted her. She refuses to move in from Nassau County, even though, by agreement... Every police commissioner must live within the five boroughs of the city of New York after being employed by whoever it was that was elected mayor. And she is basically flat out said, I'm not moving into New York City, which suggests to me she's putting in her retirement papers in October. She's out of here. One police plaza in January. Ufa! She's done absolutely nothing. And Eric Adams, the swagger man, what was his answer to two quadruple shootings in New York City yesterday, only hours apart? Nothing. Let me talk about the one area that I grew up in. I know it well. And some of you listening out there know it well. 88th Street Park on Atlantic Avenue. That's right in Ozone Park. I remember when I was a kid, I was about uh, five years old. 
my older sister, Alita, who was going to nearby St. Stanislaus at that time, would take me to the park. And right in the park, he's building there. They would give you dominoes. They would give you uh, basketballs. They would give you a Spalding. They would give you different board games to play or, or different materials to play in the schoolyard. There's a handball court there. The only rec- prerequisite is you had to return it at the end of the day. Although the parky, who was a permanent employee in that little building in the middle that had bathrooms attached, by the way, clean at that time, unlike today, where it would be a pervert's delight if you walked in. The parky ruled. The parky kept that park safe. He knew everybody from the neighborhood. They almost never have parkies, permanent parkies, stationed in parks. So let me tell you what happened. Families, women, children were running for their lives outside of the 88th Street Park on Atlantic Avenue. Shots were fired. Uh, no cameras in the park, by the way. That's a rule that was established by Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. He did not want any cameras in the park. So naturally, if you're a criminal, you know there are cameras all in the streets, private cameras attached to commercial buildings and obviously private residences and the number of police cameras everywhere on the telephone poles. So if you want to commit a crime, if you want to whack somebody, if you want to shoot somebody, go into a park. The likelihood is there are no city cameras in the park whatsoever and that was the case of the 88th street park and atlantic avenue families women children were running for their lives shots were being fired a black mercedes was seen leaving the area no cops lou the ozone park resident block association many of their members have reached out and said curtis and you send guardian angels. Maranamai. They want them in Howard Beach. Dyker Heights were there. Bay Ridge. All these communities that never had guardian angels before. Never, 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 never. They didn't need them. There's crime everywhere. So I'm going to reach out to my very good friend there, the president, uh, Sam Esposito, who helped fight off the many shelters that were shoved down the throats of the residents of Ozone Park and South Ozone Park, South Ozone Park, and see how we can help because it's personal to me. I used to play in that 88th Street Park off Atlantic Avenue. The parky actually gave me board games to play as a kid. While my sister Alita was meeting her boyfriends on the sly in the park, not telling my mother, and warning me on the way back to the apartment at 88th Street in Boyd, you better not tell mommy who I was talking to. I told her, I take the code of Amanda. Speaking of the Code of Omerta, oh, my God. Crime in the subways is skyrocketing el rapido. 88% increase. But remember, ladies and gentlemen, it's a perception. It is a perception. In fact, the mayor and his cronies, most recently the NYPD chief of department, Kenneth Corey, highest-ranking patrol officer, has said, look, Uh, I think what's getting lost here is that there is a narrative that inaccurate that's driving people's perception of how unsafe the subway is. He claimed that the media is driving public concerns about safety while riding. He's blaming it on the media, right? And then remember the mayor not long ago said exactly the same thing. The crime is not on the rise in the subways. You're wrong. You're wrong. It's media driven. It's just your strap hangers perception. We have a safe subway system. Transit police officers, they have done their job. What we must do is remove the perception of fear. Cases like this aggravates the perception of fear. 
Uh, when you see homeless individuals with mental health issues not being attended to and given the proper services that add to the perception of fear. And so what our battle is in the subway system is fighting the perception of fear. The perception of fear, Lou. How many times can a lie, lie, lie and tell you that? Let me give you the latest uh, crime blotter story in the Naked City. A uh, subway rider stepped in when he saw a person being assaulted on a Manhattan train, had his jaw, cheek, and nose broken. The 25-year-old man spotted another man attacking a person on a southbound end train rumbling through the Canal Street station about 425 in the afternoon. He tried to intervene, but then a second guy that he didn't see who was part of the initial crew that was giving a beatdown and trying to rob a passenger jumped in, and now the two attackers punched and kicked and stomped him, threw a speaker at his head. One of the men uh, involved uh, has done the bird. The other one was taken into custody, but he refuses to say anything. He believes in the code that snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. Meantime, this strap hanger, right, ends up with a busted jaw, cheek, and nose broken. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, Luke, can we tell this man that it's just the perception of crime that caused him to have a broken jaw, cheek, and nose broken? And by the way, the mayor has yet to visit the family, and especially the woman who worked at JFK Airport. Remember, you saw the vicious video played over and over and over again of this crazy assailant who had a long track record of attacks. He had killed his grandmother in foster care. He had stabbed his sister. He had attacked attendants in Creedmoor. He had committed a series of crimes that made him a predicate offender against society. And you saw in the video he was stomping the woman. He was smashing her head into, uh, into the token booth at the Howard Beach station where the A train is connected to that vestibule that will get you to the buses that will take you to the terminals at JFK Airport. Nobody in the token booth. No cops. When you ask the NYPD, they say it's a Port Authority issue. When you ask the Port Authority, they say it's an NYPD issue. Listen to the cries from the woman who is claiming, I thought, Mayor Adams, you said you were going to flood the subway system with cops. Do you know how scared I am now? I was never a person to be scared. I can't see anything on my right side, honestly. And it just hurts. It's an incident in the subway. What happened to all these police officers? They said they will have there to protect us, to be there. There's, like, nobody to be found. I don't understand. She's right. Lies, lies, more lies. Yesterday, I jumped on the 6th train headed uptown. Got off at 86th Street, Lexington. Took the number 4 train up to 161st Street. Didn't see any cops along the way. It was around rush hour in the afternoon. Then I took the D train down to 145th Street to switch to the A train and take it up to 168th Street in the heart of Washington Heights, right near Columbia Presbyterian Hospital. All along the way, Lou, I didn't see one police officer. And by the way, I told you that story about Howard Beach, the A-train station, the beat down there was a week old. The video had been embargoed by the MTA who said, don't let anyone see it. Thankfully, an MTA a worker got it to me. We blew it up on Sunday. We talked about it here on the shows that I do on the weekend. And then we went to work on the news and connecting all the dots on Monday 
The Post took it, blew it up, and all the other media has taken it. And I've said there is now a concerted effort by the NYPD, by the MTA money-taking agency, by the Port Authority, by agencies, not to let you see video because it makes it that much more powerful and potent. Well, guess what? Front page of today's AM Metro New York. Radio silence. NYPD encryption plan may soon shut media and public out of important news events involving crime. They don't want you to know what's going on because they're not dealing with what's going on. Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. Talk Radio 77 WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Nah, you're all for toots. Aaron Judge. Hit 61. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me because Coolio is dead. This classic gangster paradise. Lou, how can we continue? Coolio is dead. I met him out in L.A., man. He said, you know something? You know something, Curtis? You're OG, old gangster. You know, you're like us. You know, blood scripts. As I know I'm not. No, I'm not. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, down to the marrow of your bone you are. Coolio said, how can we continue, Lou? But anyway, uh, enough of that, because now i got to sit shiver for Coolio, although I don't think his family will want a hamantash after eight days. I understand there's some good news, Lou, that uh, Mike Umbadicich, Rudy Giuliani, on his show yesterday from 3 to 4, Monday through Friday, 3 to 4, and on Sundays from 10 to 11, he was paying tribute to me versus Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan about law and order and crime. Could I hear that, please? Because I didn't get a chance to hear it yesterday. I told you that Curtis would bring down crime and Adams wouldn't. And you all got all impressed that he was a cop. He was a cop for me. I can't remember an arrest he made, enough said. Curtis also I work, for, work with from the time he was a young man fighting crime. He's got it. He's got it in his gut. And he's smart as hell. I know he likes to talk funny sometimes, but he's smart as hell. Rudy, put on the FaceTime right now, Kevin Jokes. Put on the FaceTime because I won't be here when Rudy gets here. Hey, Rudy, what do you mean I talk funny sometimes? What do you mean I talk funny? Hey, Rudy, pay attention. What do you mean? You mean the way I talk, it's funny? Really funny how? What's funny about it, Rudy? You're a big boy. You got your big boy pants on. You know what? You said I talk funny. How, Rudy? How do I talk funny? Let me understand this, Rudy. Let me understand this. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm a little crazy, like people have said. But I'm funny how? I mean funny. Like I'm a clown? Do I amuse you, Rudy, and others, our listeners? I make you laugh. I'm here to amuse you because you say I talk funny. What do you mean funny? Funny how, Rudy? How do I talk funny? Oh, yeah, all of a sudden you, I thought, Rudy, you were my kumbada cheech. I talk, you said funny? Lou, Lou, you think I talk funny, huh? Really? You think I talk funny? Uh, what are you shrinking away for? Hey, Kevin Jokes, our weekend producer. You think I talk funny? Funny? Tell me how I freaking talk funny! 
<laughs> Should have seen Lou, man, run the hell out of the studio. Kevin, Kevin. It's my kumbadi cheech, Rudy. He kissed me and then he slapped me. He said I talk funny. I sometimes talk funny. You think I talk funny, huh? Huh? You think I talk funny? All right. Man, look how it got quiet in the newsroom. Look how quiet it got all here at WABC. People say psycho boy is out of Curtis, man. He's taking on Rudy. Now, you make sure Rudy and Maria, Dr. Maria, see this video so they can see the psycho side of me, even against my friends, not just against my foes. Well, let me make mention that I have foes, those hedge fund monsters down at uh, Wall Street. The big banks, they were too big to fail. Uh, all the Bitcoin bandits, the cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers. You know what today's date is, Lou? Kevin, they left. They left the studio. It's when the stock market crashed in 2008. Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. Washington Mutual declared bankruptcy. AIG got $85 billion bailout from us. Subprime mortgages. Oh, too big to fail the companies. We bailed them all out. We did. Free money on Wall Street for the criminals, the Hazari, the pigs with their beaks in the trough. No free money for Main Street. It all led up to an 18-month-long Great Recession. I will never forget 2008. And by the way, I'm not apologizing to my kumbari chi, truly, Julia. I talk funny sometimes.